Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. This week is Diwali, the Festival of Lights. And later in the program, I'll be talking to two Indian friends of mine who've been based in Hong Kong for a number of years. They'll be telling me how they'll be celebrating Diwali over the next few days and how their families would come together in their native India. You know, putting Indian lamps, we call them diyas, and we just put them, uh, decorate our houses. Before that, obviously, we clean it for five days. These uh, fried things, fried round things, and then, you know, they are soaked in sugar water, or even not, it's not sugar water, it's caramel almost, and it's soaked in there, and then you just have this, you know, carb fried carbohydrates <laughs> dipping it dipped in sugar. But first, live music is back in Hong Kong after a long hiatus due to COVID restrictions. It's been a hard time for Hong Kong's musicians, dancers and other performers. Some have left Hong Kong. Others had to abandon music completely and get other jobs to pay the bills. Musicians still need to conduct two PCR tests per week, but it's great to see the music back in Hong Kong as we have so much talent in the city. On Thursday evening, I headed down to the Wanch in Jaffe Road in Wan Chai, a musical institution that this week celebrates its 35th anniversary. It's now in its second venue, a much larger one, and I really wish them well. It was lovely just walking through the Wan Chai streets and hearing live music emanating from various establishments. I caught up with John Primer, who, 12 years ago, with co-owner Keith Goodman, took over the Wanch. I asked him how he felt about live music being back at his venue. I feel really good, actually. It's actually not just for myself, but all the musicians, and not only musicians, but the comedians, the dance troops, everybody. I mean, the arts are finally able to come back. And you can just see the uplift in all of Hong Kong, not just us as, as performers, but even, even the general public who's coming out to support it. So, yeah, it's a really good night. And uh, in terms of your first performer, who's that? That was John, the lead singer of Recall. He was our first performer tonight and the first one to officially play on the stage. We've had, I've brought a few of my bands in to rehearse before we were open, but uh, this was, this is it tonight. So. so you're now 35 years old. The launch is, yeah, I wish I was 35. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, the launch opened October 20th, 1987. 35 years ago today, Howard McKay and Roland, I can't remember Roland's last name, they were the original owners. And it was just right down the street, you can still see the sign, the building's being turned into a uh, hotel. So we're here now, but it worked out really well because we had to offer more than just music. That was what killed us in the first place. So now being able to offer food as well as some music and everything else, while we didn't have music, at least we had something to fall back on. So 
Yeah, but it is incredible that um, the Wanch has been providing pretty much, uh, other than COVID, live music throughout. Yeah, we just, amen. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we were doing, we were doing uh, live streaming concerts for the last nine weeks out at Sunset Studios. The bands were live. We had cameras set up here with a monitor at sunset so the bands could interact with the audience. So I thought that was a fantastic idea. I came for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it felt when you were going up the stairs, you thought you were going into live music. We got the uh, streaming down really well. We got the sound and the video down quite well. So we were very happy with it. But we're happier now to have it on the stage. But have a lot of the musicians gone home to other countries, disappeared? Uh, some have. Um, I was gone for 18 months, so I'm actually still catching up myself. So, um, But a lot of the guys are still here. My phone's been ringing off the hook, and uh, we hope to be bringing Hong Kong a lot of live music for quite a while, because looking at our schedule, you can tell that we're different every night of the week. We support the live music scene, and that's what we're all about. Now, tell me about your own music career. Uh, <laughs> well, I took my dad's car keys when I was 13 and uh, went on my first audition with a working band and never looked back. So that's pretty much it. So where are you from, John? I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. So you were driving at 13? Well, I wasn't supposed to be, let's put it that way. <laughs> that's why my dad wasn't happy, except my dad was a musician. And when I told him I got the gig, he was like, well, okay, I won't punish you quite as hard. So. <laughs> So you play guitar, sing? I play guitar, rhythm guitar, and do vocals in a band called Don't Panic and another band called The Heartbreakers. And when you were 13? Well, I was 13, it was mainly rhythm guitar at that point. So, and then vocals developed later on as we went. So. And with Hong Kong, with the kinds of bands that you have at the Wanch and over the years, are you trying to keep the, the sort of local bands energized or is it also bringing to the Hong Kong public new, new music? Well, bringing new music, but also to, uh, to show the people of Hong Kong that there are a lot of talented musicians in this city and there just aren't many places to play. So it makes it really difficult, which is why um, we do it, which is why we support the local scene. Because it's a big venue. Well, yeah, it's it's bigger than our old one, that's for sure. The old one was a thousand square feet. So, but if any, if it, tonight is any indication on how we're going to go, we'll be in good shape. So, so how long have you been with the Wanch? Uh, myself and my two partners took it over in 2010. It was about to close. We took it over because two of us were musicians, and we were like, there'll be nowhere else to play if this closes. So. And the rest is history. So are you? when are you going to be performing here? I'm here Saturday night. <laughs> I've got the early slot because we're at Hebe Haven Yacht Club on Sunday at 11.30, the hangover slot. So <laughs> there we go. Well, congratulations, John. Well, thank you very much. And uh, thanks for your support. And happy 35th. Thank you. I owe you a beer later on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the tape's still running. There we go. <laughs> So congratulations, John Santos. You were the first man on stage. Yeah, I know. It's history. <laughs> I mean, for me. <laughs> I don't know about them. But for me, it's history, right? Because this institution is going to be here for a while, for a very, very long time. And uh, I'm so proud to say that I'm the first guy who stepped on that stage and performed live 
How does it feel after all this time? Again, I cannot explain it. I mean, I'm so overwhelmed, excited, nervous. All the all the type of feelings that you have in mind, it's all there. So how were you coping over the previous months? Uh, we have to pay the bills, so we have to find jobs elsewhere, right? So I started doing uh, kitchen work, and then from there, I, I step up a little bit. And then I can pay the bills, but still, of course, waiting for music uh, music scene to come back. So tell me about this, the last... I mean, I was recording that last song of yours on your set, so tell me about that. The last song. Which you said was for John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because John, uh, when I met John, I was playing in one of the bars here in, uh, in Wan Chai, and uh, he just passed by and saw me singing. But I, I have a contract with that company, so he asked me if ever that I quit the company and on, on a freelance, would I play at the launch? And I, of course I said yes, because it's a, it's a privilege and an honor to play at the launch. And that particular band, that catches his attention. We were playing Foo Fighters, and then he was, because there's a window, I saw him walking by, and he just came in and then just started jamming with us. So that's the first time that we really have a formal interaction with, uh, with John. That's why I said that last song is for him. So you play solo acoustic guitar? Or? No, I'm in the band actually. Uh, my band's name is called Recall. So I've uh, been with the guys for three years now. After I quit my old uh, company, I have another band. But the guitar player of that band is the same guitar player with Recall now. So the two of us have been like playing together for 12 years, 13 years, something like that. Uh, but I play acoustic. As you can see, I'm not a good guitar player. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, but... Again, uh, if John needs acoustic player, he will just ask me, can you play acoustic? Of course, I'll just play something like that. But tomorrow, I'll be back here with the whole band. All right. Yeah. And then have you got some bookings in the following few weeks? Um, not yet, but we're actually booked. Uh, we have, a, I think, a fixed schedule here to play. For others, uh, we're still taking it slow because even for me, I, I haven't sang for quite a while. I, I don't think my voice is that strong yet. Do you know, I'm hearing this, practice. that people who are going back after COVID, yeah. that they have to watch their voices because they yeah. just haven't used them in that way yes, for yes, so many true. months. It's like it's like people who go to the gym, right? I mean, their whole life, they've been going to the gym, make them stop for like two or three years, it's going to be like they're, they're starting all over again. Oh, I know all about that. You know? <laughs> Something like that. Because, you know, the voice we use, it's, it's also muscles, right? So we, it, it needs... Uh, practice it needs to be uh, strong again how do you feel that you're playing and singing in an institution that's 35 years old honored i'm honored as i always tell him every time he asks me could you play john of course it's my honor that's what i always tell him it's my honor now john santos how long have you been in hong kong uh roughly uh, 13 14 years uh, 13 years something like that yeah and you're originally from from the philippines uh, Manila. Yeah, I grew up in Manila, yeah. And so when did you first start playing music? Professionally, around 19 years old. Yeah, I've been playing for uh, like 25 years now. Oh, well done, sir. All right, well, I wish you a really successful season. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Look after that voice. Yeah, yeah. You enjoy the night, all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
the first guy who stepped on this stage. <laughs> John Santos there, the lead singer of the band Recall, and John Primer at the Wanch, which is marking its 35th anniversary this week. So it's great timing that it can return to live music. The Wanch was founded in 1987 by Howard McKay and Roland Hastings, and its initial incarnation was as the Wanchai Folk Club. I look forward to hearing more bands at its new venue in Jaffe Road. Hong Kong lost a jazz legend this week, composer, brilliant guitarist, bandleader and arranger Tony Carpio left us. Tony had a major influence on music in Hong Kong and elsewhere. This is a short tribute about Tony Carpio by me to broadcast this week, but I'll be returning to do much more. Tony Carpio was an accomplished musician, composer and arranger, arriving here from the Philippines in 1957 at the age of 17. His father Tom and uncle Fred were also both renowned musicians and band leaders here. Tony picked up his father's guitar at the age of 12. In the 1960s, Tony Carpio headed up the group The Corsairs, producing two albums. He was also the musical director for the Diamond Record Company that recorded many of the local artists and pop groups at the time. In 1972, he joined veteran DJ Ray Cadero, or Uncle Ray, at Radio Hong Kong, producing a series of 18 jazz programs highlighting his compositions called the Showcase Series. To start us off this week, a fairly gentle bossa nova. It's a Tony Capio original and arrangement for a nine-piece group. He also collaborated with radio host Tony Orchez for the show Tony O meets Tony C. In later years, he created the Tony Carpio Big Band and an eight-piece jazz ensemble. His bands would appear at hotels around town, including the Hilton Hotel, Grand Hyatt and the Peninsula. He provided backing for showbiz stars, including Patti Page, Matt Monroe and Andy Williams. In later years, Tony Carpio... His wife, singer Rosalie Carpio, and the band would have a years-long successful run on Sunday afternoons at the Dickens Bar at the Excelsior Hotel. And even well into semi-retirement, Tony Carpio would teach select students. Tony Carpio has died at the age of 82. This week, it's the annual Festival of Lights, or Diwali, celebrated by Hindus, Sikhs and Jains primarily. Here in Hong Kong, I had a chat with Sukanya Saha, a teacher who originates from Bengal and is Hindu, and Angad Singh, who's Sikh, comes from near New Delhi and works in finance. They're both in their mid-twenties and we live in the same village. Throughout India and around the world, houses and apartments will be decorated with lights to replace the lack of moonlight, as will the temples. Here's Sukanya Saha. How I celebrate Diwali in Hong Kong is pretty much just going to my friend's house, um, who are also Indians, and just you know eating Indian food, Indian sweets, 
and putting Indian lamps. We call them diyas and we just put them, uh, decorate our houses. Before that, obviously, we clean it for five days. So, so can you take me back to, you were born in Bengal? Yes. So I was born in Calcutta, West Bengal. And basically, after like six months, my dad's job, the location, yeah, he went somewhere else. So I went to North India. And North India is a place called Dehradun. And that's where I lived for 10 years. And during those, you can see in my childhood photos, where just sparklers, you know. I mean, Diwali was actually one of my favorite holidays. My goddess that we celebrate is a goddess uh, Kali. So it's quite famous, like this uh, blue colored goddess with many hands and hair, really long hair. So we just go to the temple and uh, we offer, you know, offering would be like food or sweets. And yeah, we give flowers sometimes. So Kali actually means the black goddess, like she's dark skinned. Okay, so this one thing Bengalis do, right? So I just mentioned that what we usually did. So because I didn't really grow up in Bengal, in North India is a different, is a different story. It's basically of um, another god coming back after defeating a demon, you know? So it's like different stories in different parts of India. So, but the theme is similar, like, good over evil that is the theme of these festivals so yeah she is a goddess again she basically is a very violent sort of she's got these heads in her hands that she has chopped off and these are all heads Ooh. of demons so it's quite a lot of gory stuff and i always used to get scared of her I was like i want to remember this very vividly that i asked my dad oh uh do you think she's gonna chop my head off if i go too close to the <laughs> idol and then he's like no she'll just give you a you know like a hibiscus flower because that's her flower now tell me, what would you traditionally eat with your family and are you able to replicate that in Hong Kong? Yeah, I don't think so as much with the sweets, only some of the sweets, because <laughs> I mean, um, so it depends where, where, where I am. When I was younger, you get different sweets. <laughs> so when you're in India, like my mom used to sometimes actually make these sweets and she used to make all sorts of things, you know, and I used to just really love eating them <laughs> and so what sort of things yeah so like you know we used to have like these deep fried kind of pockets and you put like coconut and mm. sugary stuff and it's just we call it gujia and um when i was a kid i didn't like them but now i really love them and most indians will know like during diwali we eat this so this one thing is common i think in at least bengalis and north indians and then we have like laddus which are like round balls kind of thing and then we make them with like syrupy like chickpea flour and so yeah it's it's quite interesting so the sweets change obviously where you are but actually in malaysia there used to be this like um, this grandmom who used to actually make really good bengali sweets so we used to eat them we used and to get what were them. they they were more like i think a bit more dairy based, I would say, like basically a shondesh. We call them shondesh. So she used to make a lot of those. Uh, it's basically just like cottage cheese, like kind of like a paneer, but then sweet. But <laughs> I mean, did you, I mean, when you were growing up or even now, would you tend to shop by the sweets or would you actually make them yourself? Oh, making them yourself is just, nah. I can just make the pudding, like it's basically quite easy. Just boil the milk and add sugar. So that's the only thing that I could probably do. But uh, other things uh, I just haven't tried. And I, I usually just go to the Indian shop and get um, sweets. Um, they're not the same sweets that my mom used to make, but 
they're similar and I, I, I love them anyway. So, so just uh, your regular Indian shop around? Yeah, pretty much just regular Indian shop. You have gulab jamun and rasmalai. That's, that's pretty much the. Do you get that thing. in tins? Yeah, because, you know, it comes all the way from India and it has to be preserved. So, yeah, we get them in tins. But obviously, if you go and eat them fresh, yeah, that's just something else. I do I do miss what we did. So, basically, we just go out and, you know, the goddess I was talking about, and we just have many, not necessarily temples, but we call them, uh, how do I explain this? It's just basically like a like a tent and then we just have the idol really big you know, like a statue kind of thing. And then um, it's very nicely painted. And then we just go and hop in different tents and we see different idols. So one tent has one type of goddess, one representation of her, and the other tent is the other one. And so we, I think we stay up till forever. So because, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's an all-nighter thing. Yeah, so basically what we do, because I was a kid, I wasn't allowed (laughs) <laughs> or actually no I, I used to just fall asleep at 1am but actually my parents kept going on till 2, 3, 4 because there are a lot of times in the ritual so at like I think 4am or something let's say there would be a, a time to do some ritual in front of the guard so you stay up till that time I see. and then you go and hop and you keep yourself busy and you're comparing oh they did that better I like this one <laughs> so that's the kind of thing we do and we eat a lot during that <laughs> for the Sikhs, Diwali is a story of the struggle for freedom. It celebrates the victory of the sixth guru, Guru Hargobind, from the designs of Emperor Jahangir, who had imprisoned him and 52 other princes with him in 1619. Here's Angad Singh. And so actually in uh, Punjabi or in Sikh culture, we don't call it Diwali, we call it uh, Bandi Chhod Divas, which literally means prisoner free day and uh, so that's why how why the Sikhs celebrate Diwali is because a lot of prisoners and our guru was released on this day and it just happened to be the same day as Diwali and but how my family celebrates it it's not it's not that big of a deal like uh, because we have another festival which is more of a big deal to us as our main festival which is nearby in this uh, time period but how well I thought about it very big thing before going into the valley what we do is uh, which I remember as a kid that we have to visit every person we know every relative we know every friend we know and we go to their house or they come to our house and we exchange gifts so it's quite a family and friends event yeah and uh, and it's it's the run up to Diwali which is exciting like it would start happening two weeks three weeks prior like apart from the basic things you've got to clean up your entire house so the entire house knows that Diwali is coming because your mom is doing a house cleaning a deep cleaning exercise just your mom (laughs) she'll get everyone to help out but it's like the main thing for Diwali you've got to clean up your entire house and then you have friends and family visiting you and it's basically a roll call every year we do with all our extended families and it's nice to go meet them and exchange some gifts have a conversation have some dinner together and vice versa they'll come to your house and same thing and uh, gift giving is a big thing, but on the actual day of Diwali, uh, what most Sikhs do is just go to the Sikh temple actually. And we won't have, like, we'll all light up the house from outside, that's always a thing. We'll light candles at night and 
uh, that's always like it's not something unique to just Hindus, but also Sikhs that it's light and light is important. And especially because Diwali is a no moon day, so there's darkness everywhere. So we want to spread light on that day. For a person who's uh, really, really into the religion, into Sikhism, he will not celebrate Diwali, but he will celebrate Bandi Chhod Divas because that's what the Sikh festival is, and it's different than why why the Hindus celebrate Diwali. It's for that some the Lord returned from exile on that day, but we celebrate it for a different reason. Now you'll be getting together with another. Uh, young Indian uh, neighbour of yours here, here out in Lama, and um, she's Hindu, uh, but also celebrates uh, Diwali. And uh, every year, you actually throw a Diwali party. Yeah, a uh, Diwali party. Even though my parents never hosted Diwali party, because uh, my parents in India we have a rule, especially for the, for the Indians at least, that you must celebrate Diwali at your own home. And so generally, this Diwali party concept doesn't really exist. Yes, in the run up to Diwali, we We'll meet and have some parties, and there's card playing. That's a we, oh, yeah. Okay. Gambling is a tradition <laughs> during this time. You play cards. <laughs> We've got to pay for all those sweets, haven't you? <laughs> but on the day of Diwali, it's a must that you must be at your own home, not traveling, not outside, not on a vacation. You must, just as your family, you got to be in your own home and celebrate Diwali there because you got to do lighting, and because lighting lighting your house is very important in Diwali, and you got to. Light up your own candles, and but yeah, it's a Western thing, you know. When you come outside India, and then you're so few people, you don't have a family, and then that's when you start hosting these Diwali parties and gatherings, and uh, and the actual day of Diwali, because uh, well, we are far away from our families, and but otherwise, if you would be in India, it would just be me, my mom, my dad, uh, and my sister, just the four of us uh, in Diwali on the day of Diwali, celebrating as a family. Now tell me about uh, when when you are you know with the candles. There's there's set. Uh, you have these sort of clay holders. What are they called? Uh, yeah, they're called uh, diyas. Uh, though the world is changing, or even India is changing, the diyas. Yes, uh, a lot of people uh, do light up those diyas, but more and more people now are going towards the easy wax candles. And uh, or even nowadays they have diyas which already have wax filled in them. Uh, but uh, traditionally, you're supposed to use mustard oil and then a cotton wick. You have oh. to go to make it yourself and use mustard oil in those diyas, uh, which are ceramic. But it's going down. But I do it even here uh, if the wind permits on that day. <laughs> I so do mustard, try to light it. Yeah, a mustard oil and a wick. So you have the the lights. How else do you decorate your homes? Uh, we don't do that, but Hindus use flowers, and so they use uh, marigold flowers. And, uh, and if you want to buy in Hong Kong, they're crazy expensive because they put them in a freezer and then fly them into Hong Kong. <laughs> and but marigold flowers and um, leaves of mango tree, and uh, so mango leaves and dried mango leaves and marigold flowers. Biggest thing where you'll put them in garlands and then you wrap mm-hmm. your house around them with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and even in the Sikh temple, if you go, uh, you'll see there are some flowers, but mostly it's just covered with lights. And it, that day is very nice. Even the Hong Kong Sikh temple, it was just absolutely very beautiful. And from top to down, there is just lights and lights there.
Is there any kind of music that's associated with this time of year? Um, not really. It's because it's uh, not not really music, but it's more uh, the prayers, and uh, especially with the Hindus, they'll have a lot of prayers, and the prayers are music, sort of, because they do use some sort of instruments. And even in Sikhs, uh, that's what we would do when we go to the Sikh temple. It's just the prayer music, and we have our kirtan. We call kirtan, and we use a harmonium and the tabla, two very popular Indian instruments and then there are people singing but once you have done this the only sound you want is the firecrackers <laughs> that's it's a very very major part of diwali is everybody would be out and bursting firecrackers till it's very very late in the night happy diwali my thanks to sikanya saha angad singh john santos and john primer thanks for listening and join me next week on hong kong heritage